And thank you. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Father, we uh, gather again today to seek your face and we need confidence that you uh, hear our requests for revival, that we're not wasting our time in doing that. And I pray that you would uh, give us that confidence uh, this day in Jesus' name. I want to talk today about arguing with God, and uh, there's a aspect of prayer in which that's what we're what we're doing, and we see that in different places in the Scripture. And one of the most well known is Numbers fourteen eleven through twenty three, where Moses provides arguments as to why God should not destroy the nation of Israel, and that teaches us something about prayer. Um, uh, after we look at that passage and make a, I make a few remarks on it, I'm going to give eight arguments for why I believe God um, should and will bring revival. And uh, so I'll post those with the scriptures uh, now there in the chat. Um, but to go ahead and look at uh, Numbers 14, 11 through 23, uh, the Israelites have provoked God uh, repeatedly. And they're grumbling about Moses and Aaron, and they want to pick up stones and stone them. And then the Lord says to Moses, how long will this people spurn me? And how long will they not believe in me, despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? I will smite them with pestilence and dispossess them, and I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they. So you can see that God is angry. And he is ready to destroy them. Um, it would be just to do so. Their sins have uh, given him to do that. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it. For by your strength you brought up this people from their midst. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people, for you, O Lord, are seen eye to eye while your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you slay this people as one man, then the nations who have heard of your fame will say, because the Lord could not bring this people into the land, which he promised them by oath, therefore he slaughtered them in the wilderness. But now I pray, let the power of the Lord be great, just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your loving kindness, just as you also have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word. But indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. That is, I will be glorified. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times and listen to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurned me see it. 
So what we see here is an argument that Moses gives to God as to why God should not wipe out Israel as one man, why he shouldn't uh, fail to make a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, and that he should remember that he is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but by no means clearing the guilty, therefore making that distinction. And he's reminding the Lord of this as though the Lord needed reminding. And he's giving an argument for God to show mercy as though the Lord doesn't know these things. And of course he does. Um, And we know this is a test by God for Moses and that God actually intends to show mercy, but he wants to do that through intercession And he wants to do that through an argument that his mediator comes up with for why he should not wipe them out as a single man. And so that that gives us a, a basis for praying with God. God wants to be argued with in that sense. He wants us to come up with arguments as to why he should have mercy. And what we see in this passage is that God's glory is the ultimate argument for why God should have mercy. Specifically, God's glory associated with keeping his promises. Um, God uh, is going to get along fine if the nations are spurning his name, but he nevertheless um, is insulted by that. And he is glorified by... Uh, the fulfillment of his word and by keeping his promise to Israel. And it is known that they are his people. And it is known across the world that he brought them out of the land of Egypt, uh, presumably to bring them into to the land he prepared. Then people are going to start besmirching his name and insulting him as a God who did nothing but ferret them out of Egypt in order to destroy them in the wilderness. And Moses is concerned about that. He's concerned about God's reputation in the world and his his glory and how he will be regarded. And that is concern as well. And one of the things that strikes me about this is that sin, we think about revival, sin in one sense cannot be the reason why God would withhold revival. Um, The sin of people, uh, because sin is the very reason we're in need, and sin is the reason we should call out to him. Uh, Because of their sin, they deserve to be wiped out by God, but Moses didn't look at that as a barrier to say, well, the people are too sinful, I can't appeal to God on the basis of, you know, mercy, I, I can't ask him for mercy because the people are too sinful. He didn't reason that way. And it would be odd, to say the least, for us to cry out to God, save us from our sins, save our churches from sin, save our nations from sin, and for God to reply, well, I would, but you're too sinful. If you were better people, then I would have cause to give you the spirit of grace, supplication, repentance, and humility. That would be odd. and so. Uh, I think sometimes we can feel like, uh, speaking for myself here, 
is God really going to send revival? Are we just too, are we too sinful for him to send revival? Well, if sin is a barrier for revival, I don't know how God could have ever sent anywhere. Um, it's not to minimize sin. It's not to say that there should not be calls to repentance or that we should be uh, satisfied in it and complacent about it. Um, that is just to say that that should not be a barrier for us praying to God and calling on God to have mercy. So the arguments uh, that you can see there, and I won't read all the scriptures associated with them, maybe just a couple, but number one argument that I would give as to why uh, God should send revival is we need it. Revival is not a luxury. It is a need. We are not going to make it uh, without, uh, we're not going to be able to survive the the days ahead without a a significant grant of power from above. And it's a need. It's not a luxury. It's not a want. It's a need. And God has promised in many, many places throughout Scripture to meet the needs of his people. And in Romans 8.32, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? In other words, he did not spare the greatest thing, the most expensive thing in his son. Why would he spare something less than that? Second argument, God has promised to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Luke eleven thirteen, And what is revival but a generous giving of the Spirit? Three, Christ has promised to do whatever is asked in his name. And surely revival is a legitimate and fair request to ask in Christ's name. This is not like we're asking for um, a new car because my two-year-old car has a scratch on it. You know, we're asking for something that honors him and glorifies his name. And revival does that. It's, it fits with that overall motivation. And John 14, 13 through 14, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Number four, Christ has told us to pray, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And revival is in line with those petitions. It's an advance of the kingdom of God. And therefore, it is an answer to those very prayers that Christ put in our mouths. Number five, we're promised that if we ask anything according to his will, we have the requests which we have asked from him. And this is very much like the, the previous argument. It is according to his will that his name be hallowed, that his kingdom come and his will be done. And so we ask for revival. We are asking according to his will. First John 5, 14 through 15, confidence. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we've asked from him. Number six, every command of scripture is summed up in the two greatest, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But it is impossible for us to love God and neighbor without the spirit 
the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, and so on. And, and therefore, it is incumbent upon God to supply what he commands by giving us the spirit so that we may obey his commandments and he then be glorified in us. Number seven, if we can do nothing apart from Christ, John 55, and nothing includes repenting, humbling ourselves, believing, praying fervently, praying with perseverance, curing our apathy, or anything else, then the ball is, in a sense, in God's court to supply what he requires. In other words, it is legitimate for us to be looking to self, not at each other, and, and saying, Lord, we're waiting on you. And finally, number eight, and there's more arguments of obviously that this is just to sort of prime the pump. And you have uh, may have thought of arguments of your own. Um, this is not meant to be exhaustive. Uh, but there's an argument from providence. In the providence of God, this prayer meeting was started continued for over two years. And so was that by chance? I don't think so. Uh, did the devil pray for revival? I don't think that is the case either. I think it was God. And so then we have to ask the logical question, did God summon us here to pray for revival so that he could exercise his right to say no? I don't think that's the reason he summoned us here to pray for revival. So pray that this will in, encourage you. And as you as you continue to pray for revival and as we continue to do that together, that uh, arguments will come to your mind as the basis to appeal to him to send what we're asking.